<laughs> okay. You're in the supermarket. You're looking for gluten-free, sulfate-free, and you know what? Why not organic? For the kids. Not only is there an endless amount of choices in front of you, this random assortment of goods is gonna run you a sizable bill on top of it all, right? Well, if you're shopping on Brandless, that couldn't be further from the truth. Brandless was brought to life only 16 months ago with the intention of making better stuff accessible and affordable for more people. The company's co-founder and CEO, Tina Sharkey, talks with me about how she's democratizing access to better goods and building a community-driven company. I'm Megan Keeney Anderson, and this is The Gross Show. I think to just kick us off, I'm really curious, Tina, what's your favorite product available on Brandless right now? Ooh, my favorite product. That's like asking me to pick my favorite child. Um, It is very hard to pick. Um, But what I would say that right now, um, for me personally, one of my favorite items right now is our um, Clean Beauty uh, Grapefruit uh, Facial Cleanser. I use it in the shower and it's extraordinary because it's so thin and so light. It's cruelty-free, phthalate-free, sulfate-free, and it's amazing. And we actually just launched a clean uh, grapefruit facial scrub, which I use like once every two weeks or once a week. That's like an exfoliant. I also use that in the shower. And I could go on from there, but I won't. Uh, So I have to ask you the question that I think probably most people ask you, which is Brandless has really sort of made a name for rethinking brand. But the next obvious question is, isn't Brandless a brand? Uh, yes, 100%. Brandless is unapologetically a brand, and you don't have to feel bad about asking that question. I think the key on insight is that we're redefining what it means to be one. So if you step hmm. back and say, like, well, why did we start Brandless to begin with, without going into the origin story, but just to understand that we felt that trust had been lost. If you think about what is the true definition of a brand, it's a trust mark. Yeah. And so because there is so much trust that had been lost, not just in CPG, consumer packaged goods, but in institutions, in governments, in banks, in, you know, things that we had held dear uh, that we could lean on. All across the board. Part of Brandless's core tenants is to build something alongside the community that we serve that's based in truth, trust, and transparency, but that truly is reimagining what it means to be a brand that's also a movement of people who believe that everyone deserves better. And you know what? Better doesn't need to cost more. So it's less about the company itself and more about the people that you're selling to. Well, no, it's about the company that's built on the foundation that we put people first. And that D to C, which stands for direct consumer, it's not a channel, it's a relationship. And Uh, so the people that buy our stuff, they're not just our customers. In fact, if you scrub our language, like if you were inside of our like brand books and stuff, we don't even use the word customer because that's just a person. And the people who pack our boxes should be able to afford awesome things for their family. The people who come and visit our websites um, should be able to afford what they want. They shouldn't have to choose between what they want and what they can afford. They're all just people. And so 
they inform us, they inspire us, they, they give us recipe ideas, they give us product development ideas, they ask us for new and different things. Um, so we built Brandless um, in support of the community that we serve, but that's part of our brand ethos. Yeah. Now, okay, so I don't think anybody would argue with you that trust is at an all-time low, but what was the tipping point in your mind where you noticed that this is really a shift in the way that people interact with companies? There was one data point that we heard when my co-founder Ido Leffler and I were incubating Brandless was 78% of millennials were reported to say they did not want to buy the products that they grew up with in their parents' homes. Hmm. And so I was like, you know, we all hear stats every day. There's lots of email subject lines. There's lots of, you know, things that come up in notifications that just kind of breeze by. When I heard that one, I was like, Stop. Yeah, I need to like unpack that because if the amount of market share and the right. amount of opportunity, if 78% of millennials don't want to buy the things they grew up with and the size of the consumer packaged goods total addressable market in the US is probably $2 trillion, then oh my goodness, that is an opportunity. Everything's up for grabs. Everything's up for grabs. Plus, the and then I was like, well, wait a second, why? Well, first of all, most of those brands were built on what I would call false narrative, meaning mm. like, you know, an actor in a commercial is telling you a story that's aspirational that has nothing to do with me or my life. Right. Two, it used to be told on three networks. That's when soap operas were created for Procter & Gamble. Then it went to five networks. Then it went to 5,000 networks. But now, with everyone being a publisher, everyone having a platform, whether it's your Instagram feed, your social media feed, or just your iPhone where you can go live, everyone is a network. And so no longer can you take that false narrative of, you know, the Mr. Whipple or the Jolly Green Giant and push it out across every single channel People actually want real things and real stories. And actors who used to be saved for films are now, you know, living their social media lives with their real stories. So we've seen this shift to real people, real stories. Yeah. There's been a democratization of access to people, um, which has basically normalized and transformed the media industry. So with that democratization of access and what Google has done with the democratization of access to information... You know, my kids, um, the minute we ask a question at the dinner table where we're positing a trivia fact, they're like, wait, let, let me look it up. I know exactly when, you know, Fenway Park was founded and how many seats were right. like after dinner. Put your phone down. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the idea that we would ever pass by a question without an answer is something that this generation wants, you know, knows that they at their fingertips, myself included, the answer to anything. So that's the democratization of information. Yeah, And now you're saying, okay, well, what about the democratization of access? The idea that everybody should be able to find the things that they're looking for, whether that meets their dietary needs, whether that meets their health needs, whether that means they're changing consumption habits. Um, you shouldn't have to be limited to access only based on what zip code you live in or, you know, what you can afford. It's about, you know, lifestyle choices, like you want to be vegan or you need to be vegan. You want to go gluten-free or you need to be gluten-free for healthcare right. reasons. 
And so those things should not be, you know, stuck in the little department in the supermarket that gives, you know, three feet of shelf space um, to find the gluten-free assortment, or you shouldn't have to literally bring a magnifying glass to turn every package, bottle, and bag over as you're rolling down the aisles. It shouldn't be that hard uh, right. to be able to find what you're looking for. If you're a mom who has a diabetic kid, you shouldn't have to like search the box or bag to find out that there's no sugar added. You should be yeah. right there in front. Yeah, no, it, it's funny. I mean, you can you can hear the passion in your voice as you're talking about this. And I know this was not your first startup. What was it about this type of company and, and maybe the, the budding of a mission that, that drew you back to the startup game? For me, it's just so energizing to both do what I've always done, which is build scaled communities, but then actually give people things that impact like their every day, like the things they put on their table, the things that they can, you know, put in their kids' lunch boxes, the things that they can cook and have access to without having to choose between what they want and what they can afford. And then, you know, we also know that we're living in a country that whilst we are the greatest country in the world, 40 million people go hungry every day. Right. Like, that's just not okay. And so when you check out at Brandless, we had partnered with Feeding America to try and, like, take our little tiny humble swipe at trying to make a dent in that. And, you know, so far we've already donated in our brief, you know, 16 months of life, you know, over 3 million meals, and we're just getting started. That's awesome. I love that you found that. I love that you're enabling that for other people to help build that movement. Can I ask you a very straightforward question and it, you sort of hinted at this a little bit but why three dollars what what is it about that price point especially when you think about you know the types of products you're putting out with non-gmo and sulfate free and organic those tend to be pricier products they call whole foods whole paycheck for a reason yeah. how did you how did you land on three dollars by starting with the idea that everything was three dollars we were achieving three things First and foremost, the simplicity that don't bother checking, it's all $3. Like don't right. make that a filter. Simplicity and curation is one of our key platforms. The second thing was the democratization of access because your analogy of that store where it's a whole paycheck, lots of people don't even go into that store because they're not invited to that party. They're, that party is like a, is a, is, is a boutique in terms of sure. the access. Um, and so that's not an opening price point. So what we wanted to do was say, if we want to kind of go right at the idea that who says better needs to cost more, can we actually create an opening assortment of the things you reach for every day with that better filter, organic, non-GMO, gluten-free, vegan, clean, cruelty-free, et cetera, um, at an accessible price point to really say, who says better needs to cost more because it doesn't. Yeah. Now, having said that, we're not the $3 store. We're about simple and fair prices. We started with $3 because it's what you reach for every day. But actually, the truth is that some of our products are two for three. So we have okay. things that are $1.50, um, like our, our organic vegan soups. Those are two for $3. Um, we have some things that are three for $3, like our organic black beans, our organic garbanzo beans. It was really about the simplicity, the access, and the idea that was like liberating, that it was so curated and edited that you could just focus on the products and not have to like sort through. I mean, we joke around in the office, like our big win one day is when Saturday Night Live, 
you know, does the price is right for brandless. Um, yeah. Because the truth is the price is right. 30 years later, however long that thing's been on the air, it's still on the air. Why is it still on the air? Because people don't know what things cost even after they buy them right at the counter and they yeah. check out. So it does it take that idea, psychological load yeah, off. Yeah, it just takes it away. So you shouldn't mm -hmm. have to use that as a filter. Right. Now, do you get pressure to increase that price point? I mean, I feel like every company, especially uh, growing companies, get a lot of pressure to like grow faster or, or find more revenue. Do you feel that pressure? And do you have to take a loss on products in order to be able to maintain that price point? So um, I love the question. So the first piece is really understanding that nothing that we sell costs $3. So that people should be really questioning what they're paying for these, you know, better for you things, because the system by which goods are made and sold today, not the brandless mm -hmm. system, but the traditional system is really broken. And all those layers in between the uh, creation of a product and the ultimate ending up in your fridge, in your pantry, under your sink, in your shower, there's so many layers. And so yeah. there's a lot of markup there that we just work with extraordinary partners we co-develop the product together. It goes to our warehouse. It goes to you. Boom. Done. So we've taken a very inefficient system and we've made it more efficient. And by making it more efficient, we took a lot of cost out. So that's the first thing you need to understand. The mm -hmm. second thing is that our community is asking us all the time, literally from the day we launched last July, to create things for them with the same extraordinary quality. And there'll be things that they ask for. I mean, they actually haven't asked for a car yet, but I wouldn't be surprised. They're asking <laughs> us for things that are not going to be $3. Um, yeah. And we have to decide, is that brandless? Yeah. And can we do it at the same extraordinary quality and remarkable price to serve the community that's literally every day asking us for more? Now, okay, let's talk about the community for a moment because I imagine other companies would aspire to have the kind of tie and trust with your community that you have. What are some of the things that you do to help cultivate and nurture that community around Brandless? I love that question because everything at Brandless, um, nothing happens without the extraordinary team that we have. And so we don't look at social media as a channel. We look at that as one of the ways that we build relationships. And it's sometimes people show up in um, on our Instagram or sometimes they show up on Twitter and sometimes they show up on Facebook and sometimes they show up um, by signing up for our email or yeah. by buying our products. So community at Brandless has every single door, right? Wherever you show up is where we want to meet you. And so the, the social media team, the customer service team, the leadership team, the product team, like we're all in it, right? Right. And so I'm on Insta all the time, both on my own handle as well as on Brandless Life, because I'm interacting with our community all the time. And so if somebody asks us a question, we answer it. We treat people like people, like they're our friends on our own feeds, because it is our feed. Absolutely. Do you reinforce that structurally within your team? Are there choices that you've made or processes that you've been created? Or is it really just about hiring the right people? Um, both. Everything starts with hiring the right people because, you know, startups are not for everyone. And you really need to work with people who are flexible, mm -hmm. who enjoy wearing multiple hats, and that really like they believe in the movement in addition to the company. So they passionately are like, they're all in. Yeah. And then we brainstorm. For example, uh, we have this extraordinary office manager here in San Francisco. Her name is Kat. 
And so Kat came up with the idea this week that because it's spirit week at Brandless, okay? And every day she came up with an idea. So today is Brandless swag day. If you have any, you have to wear it to the office if you're part right. of spirit week. So I was texting last night with the gals, Helena and Sophie, and who lead our social media. And I said, oh, I was just thinking about what I'm wearing tomorrow. What are you ladies wearing? And then I said, OMG, why don't we do spirit week with our community? And they were like, fantastic. So then uh, yeah. immediately they just invited the community to every one of our days that we're doing, like we're doing ugly sweater day and we're nice, doing like yeah. pajama day and we're doing all of this. So they were like, fantastic. But like those ideas, it's not because the CEO said it. Like I would have been just as happy for me, for them to say to me, like, Tina, you're such a goofball, but like they probably wouldn't because they're kind of goofball too. And so the point is that like, why wouldn't we do that? That's not a right. campaign that marketing's going to launch. Although marketing could launch a campaign like that, but you want to do something, do it. It does sound like a lot of it is a spilling over, an organic spilling over of your own culture and the people you've brought on and their passion. What about, because you also do seem to understand the customers a lot. In addition to just conversations that you have over social media with them, how are you working towards understanding them better? Look, are there any friends that you have where the only thing he or she does is talk? Like, it gets old pretty fast, right? So one of the important things if you're going to be in a direct relationship is to listen. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so I think our listening skills in some ways are, are even better than our talking skills, meaning that listening is not just about seeing the post and responding. It's also about looking at all the gestures, metaphorically, into the brandless platform. Yeah. What that means is when you listen, you actually read what people are typing into our search bar because they're clearly looking for this product or that product or the other product, and uh, they want to see if we have it. So they may not be the person who posted on Facebook saying, do you have organic uh, beef jerky, but they're typing organic beef jerky into our search bar so many times right. that we actually tag that and we are listening, right? And so when we launched organic beef jerky, because it took us a long time to do it our way with the quality that we wanted, grass-fed, et cetera, mm -hmm. like we made a big deal about it because so many people had been like both posting about it and typing into search. We also know what is trending, not just on Brandless, but in the world. And so we know in Whole30, which will probably come up in January, or keto is very popular, yep, or yep. you know all these various things, like we're listening. And so we don't just look at the products, we also look at the trends, we look at how they're building their Brandless boxes. So it turns out that, you know... People who buy this also like this. Um, right. And so we put that back into the community. Yeah. And what's nice about being direct to consumer is you get to control and have, have a hand in that entire experience. So I want to go back, Tina, to something you mentioned earlier. I've actually mentioned a couple of times, which is this idea of democratizing these products and the price point to a lot of different people. I think that's really fascinating. And I'm, I'm curious, you know, you're essentially giving access to communities that didn't previously have access to some of these products. How else are you planning to help get these communities even better access as, as your company grows? Well, the thing that's kind of extraordinary about what we're doing is that unlike if we had decided to set up a retail shop as our first thing, then we would be serving that community, but it would be very hyper-local, right? Today, even you know, 16 plus months into our life, we're already shipping to 48 states every day. 
I tell all the people who write me from Canada, like, where in Canada <laughs> do you live? And do you know anyone in Buffalo, Detroit, or Seattle um, that can take it over the border for you? Um, but seriously, um, so today we already are doing that. I think there's mm-hmm. more we can be doing. Uh, we have PayPal as something. You don't have to have a traditional credit card. You know, we've done pop-ups. We did one in LA and we did one in New York. Oh, that's interesting. Um, and so we did that because we wanted to do taste and trial. We wanted mm. the community to see the entire assortment. I don't think yeah. people have any idea, even if they go on the website, even if they are a brandless customer, the amount of products that we've developed. When we launched in July last year, we had about 110. Right. And by the end of this year, which is just in two weeks' time, we'll be over 400 across so many different departments. Yeah. So yeah. You know, we have uh, clean beauty. We have clean EPA Safer Choice certified, um, you know, uh, lemon verbena wipes. Our tweezers are amazing. Our eyelash curlers are amazing. You may have come in through that door because you saw it in Allure or in Glamour, and now you're like, oh, I didn't know you had organic tomato sauce. So, I mean, what you seem to be describing to me, Tina, is really a a new version of the supermarket, a new way to get access to just uh, this huge array of products, but again, with simplicity and without the tyranny of choice and uh, at, a, at a price point that is accessible. Do you think about it like that? Do you, do you want Brandless to become the new supermarket? No. Um, I don't. We we are not a supermarket. We're not a grocer. We started with the things you reach for every day because Mm -hmm. that gave us permission to be in a daily conversation. And we're not going to abandon that ever. Having said that, the opportunity to democratize access to other extraordinary things at fair and simple prices is critical to our mission. So we're not trying to be uh, a supermarket. We are trying to be a community center and we Mm -hmm. are trying to be a place where people can connect and share. And we'll, right now we're doing a lot of that on our social platforms, but eventually you'll see that across everything that we do. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us a little bit today, Tina. It's a really interesting founding story. It's a really interesting company that uh, I'm excited to see continue to grow. Thank you. Today's episode was produced by Matthew Brown and features music from Synchronize. As a quick note, it's that time. No, not the holidays. It's time for us at The Gross Show to take a quick breather. We'll be coming back to you in the new year with all new episodes, so be sure to subscribe now. That way you'll be first to hear all the new incredible stories coming your way soon. As always, I'm Megan Keeney-Anderson, and thanks for listening.